there. Welcome to the chat box with Uncle Funky's daughter. I'm your host, Melinda Spaulding, where we bring you all good information about your life. We'll talk about hair, lifestyle, health, and boy, do we have an important topic for you this week with a very special guest, Dr. Christopher Bibb, pathologist based in the Houston area, is here to talk to us about everything we need to know about COVID-19. Dr. Bibb, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. This is a joy and a privilege. Thank you very much for considering me. Of course. You know, there's such a need for all of us to have the right information from the right sources these days. Tell us, I mean, there's so much to cover. Uh, Our lives have been so different in 2020. I'm just curious, personally, how do you prepare as a physician for a time like this? I mean, did you get this kind of training in medical school? Yeah, so... Indirectly, we did, but you know, mm-hmm. there really wasn't any prep for this pandemic. I mean, we were kind of thrust mm-hmm. into it. But as we got in there, we learned more about the virus and how to protect ourselves and how to protect our patients. So, the short answer is yes, we actually did learn in medical school, but we had no idea going into it because it was a novel virus, which means it's something new, something that we've mm-hmm. never seen before. And it was sort of a learn as you go. And we were blessed to have a very dedicated team across the Houston metro area. There was a collaborative effort that I hadn't seen before where different hospital systems exchanged information, shared patient loads, and we just learned how to take this thing head on. It's been interesting to watch just the evolution of the information that's been learned and how we have responded as a nation to the virus. I mean, there were so many unknowns in the beginning. And I always go back to the whole mask debate in the beginning. It wasn't advised, but I'm assuming, and you tell me that as we learn things or as you learn things in the medical profession, you adjust. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. That is absolutely correct. And the mask wearing was one of those things. You know, I I think once we understood that this was primarily a respiratory virus Mm -hmm. and the transmission was large droplet, which once you use those terms, everybody in medicine knows what that means. It's basically you put the T, you know, you put your mask on, your level one mask. And as long as you're masked, you are really protected. If you're engaged in a patient that has a, a high viral count, you wear full body PPE. It's very similar to uh, tuberculosis precautions. And once that was, you know, disseminated in a way where everybody understood it, I think the um, frontline providers were empowered to actually protect themselves and and felt more confident with taking care of, the, of their patients. Information, having that, that information is so powerful. So uh, by the time we're recording this, I won't date us, but by the time people hear us, some things may have changed in our country one way or another. And yeah. I'm, I'm curious about, from your professional standpoint, about where we as Americans should place our trust for information. What do you recommend? That's that's a a very interesting question. Um, You know, where do you you place your trust for information? I always go back to major sources. I'm I'm a pathologist, Mm -hmm. so I I get all of my information from from my societies, you know, and I have that, that blessing to be able to be connected in that way. Um, for lay people, it's very difficult because um, I think the the media right now, there's a lot of sensationalized information that's out there and it's hard to know what's true and what's real. But I honestly believe that throughout this entire pandemic, that the health um, information that has been disseminated 
has been true to form. So I think that um, our health societies, you know, our major societies have been giving um, great information. Now, in some instances, that information has been muted, you know, has been suppressed. But the information is there if you seek it. And if you ever have you know, a question, you can always reach out to your your personal provider, your primary care provider, and they can patch you into great sources of information. I'm sure you've seen different levels of reactions from patients or people who maybe just walk up to you and ask you for advice because of what you do. Everything from people thinking it's nothing, I'm not wearing a mask, to people who've locked themselves into in their houses. We talked earlier about empowering people for interacting and just going on about life during this pandemic. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, you know, um, I I think the biggest, I think, travesty through this whole thing is for everyday people to not be empowered to do the things that they need to do. In the very beginning of the pandemic, we didn't know what to do. So, you know, I think the, the initial shutdown was severe because it needed to be, you know, we didn't really know how the virus interacted with um, in terms of infection and transmission. But once that information was gained and we knew that this is primarily a a respiratory virus, large droplet precautions need to be in effect. People need to be wearing masks. If you're in a healthcare situation, you need to be wearing PPE. Once we knew that, just using the health providers as examples, they were empowered to go in and treat patients without fear. And I can say that, you know, the facility where I work, we have not had one single case of nosocomial meaning acquired in the hospital uh, case of COVID, because as long as we followed those precautions, we were safe. That's great, because, you know, you remember in the beginning, you're thinking, oh, my goodness, if someone touched a rail and then I touched it, I could get COVID. And there's been more information that's been learned since then about surface contact. Do you want to explain that to our, our listeners? Yeah. So this virus is primarily large droplet contact and it's primary respiratory. Now, theoretically, if someone, say, breathed on a surface and they were infectious and you touched it and you immediately touched your face or your mucous membranes, theoretically, you can get the virus. But that's not the mm-hmm. primary way that this virus is transmitted. It's the, the primary way is through respiratory, prolonged respiratory exposure. So that makes the mask very important. Now, washing your hands are vital because, right. yes, you can get it by, by contact. That is vital. But the mask is so important because it allows you to go in and out of places. If everyone is masked, everyone is protected. I've noticed, Dr. Bibb, that, you know, I would normally get, I don't know, small cold or something. I haven't had anything in 2020 because, because of wearing, because the you've been wearing the mask. Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, if you look at you know, the Southern Hemisphere. So, you know, look at Australia and their rates for the flu season. The flu season was suppressed because people were wearing a mask. Coming out of this, mm-hmm. there's information that we're learning as healthcare providers that is very vital. We, we found that there's some anesthesia literature that's coming out that's showing that uh, post-operative infections are going to be way down, at, at least in the short term, because of the mask wearing and the precautions and people coming to visit other people in the hospital and everybody's got a mask on. We're learning a lot about just how powerful that is. Let's talk about the flu season. The one that we're in, I guess, has just started um, and the precautions that you advise. We'll be wearing our masks, hopefully. um, Right. But in addition to that. I think the most important thing is to get the flu shot. From year to year, we really don't know how well 
the actual vaccine is going to protect people until you're further into the season. But the most important thing that you can do is 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 take the shot. If you take the shot, you're protected. Theoretically, you're protected and those around you are protected because you're protected. Mm -hmm. So I think the most important thing to do is get the vaccine. We don't really know how COVID is going to interact with flu. There are a lot of theories about maybe the two acting together. But if everyone gets a flu shot and we're wearing masks, we should be very well protected. For those communities of color that have been disproportionately affected, especially, oh my goodness, in the early months, and right. we're not out of the woods yet, but we, we're just getting more and more information about how we can protect ourselves. We heard a lot about people with pre-existing conditions. What information do we need to know uh, for those of us who may have a family member with a pre-existing condition as we go into the fall and winter months? Right. So by pre-existing conditions, we're talking about people who may have cardiovascular disease. So communities of color, uh, you know, the cardiovascular disease tends to be a higher prevalence, higher rates in our communities and tends to be undiagnosed more so than other communities. So that's the big one. So hypertension, uh, cardiovascular disease, if you have a pre-existing lung illness, if you have some sort of immunodeficiency, all those things will make you more susceptible to illness in, in general. So if you are unfortunate enough to be infected with COVID, you would have probably a more prolonged illness and a more difficult recovery. What about people who suffer from asthma? Is there a heightened risk of having a, a difficult recovery? There is. There absolutely is. And I can speak of sort of a personal case. I think everyone in Houston knows about the case of the young physician that recently that was an um, asthmatic that, that passed from COVID. Yes. So any pre-existing lung illness makes you more susceptible to respiratory illnesses in general. And COVID in particular, um, the, so the infection that we know, the way that the virus enters the body is through the ACE receptor. That receptor lives on blood vessels, it lives in the lungs and in the kidneys. So those areas of the body, if you have a severe infection, you can get large amounts of tissue damage in those areas. So if, if you have anyone in your family that has kidney problems, you know, you have you know, pre-existing heart problem or lung problem, you have to be very careful in terms of contact. That was a personal question for me. I should have just been honest. Hey, when you're talking to a physician, you got to get your questions in. I'm like, I'm looking you at my inhaler. In. I have to be careful. And I know there are a lot of people be out there careful. who also have asthma as well. No, I was just saying, make sure you keep that prescription handy. Yes, I that, actually uh, called ahead. I was one of those people like, I need a 90-day supply of everything in the beginning. Um, but we're not alone. I mean, there are many people who have different concerns and, and they're looking out for their family members or themselves so they could be there for their families. As we conclude this evening, what other advice do you want us to know? I, I think a lot of people in the beginning, there was a lot of anxiety. Are these allergies? Is this a cold? Is it COVID? Can you talk to us a little bit more about the symptoms and when we should, someone should pull the trigger on seeing their physician or going to an emergency room? So I would say in terms of pulling the trigger, make that trigger very short. The vast majority of patients that have been diagnosed, they came in saying, that they knew something was different. They knew something was different in their body. So I would say, look at your own, you know, your own sense of self. Right. Prolonged fever, any kind of unusual respiratory. You know, if you have seasonal allergies, you kind of know what that is uh, for yourself. But right. if something's different, something's more prolonged, your breathing is heavier, um, you're more fatigued than usual. Um, those are, 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 are tip-offs that, that, that you may be infected. Or if you're around someone that was infected. 
that as well. Very good advice. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us this evening? I would like to share that this, thank you very much for this platform and considering me for this discussion. I think this is an important time for us just to take this seriously. There's a lot of information that's coming down the pipeline about chronic illnesses that are developing from COVID that haven't been elucidated in the past. One is, this is pathology literature. One is um, some chronic heart injury that may or may not be related to, to, to COVID. Very new information out of LSU Medical, uh, University Medical Center in New Orleans. They did a series of autopsies and they just published it like within the past week about patients who ended up with a chronic heart problem from COVID. And, you know, they recovered from COVID, but, but they had this heart issue. So I would say we just need to be vigilant about keeping ourselves protected and trying to lessen getting the virus in the first place, because there's so much that we just don't know. And wash your hands, right? Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. Absolutely. Wash your hands. If you can't wash your hands, sanitize. That's great. And wear your mask. You know what? I do have one more question, Dr. Bibb. Let's talk about the impact on children. We've heard that children are, are... They're at risk, but maybe not as much as adults are. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? Is that still the case? Right. Right. So the thing about children, if you look at the overall mortality rate, so so a lot of that language comes from looking at the mortality rates in different populations. So overall, the mortality rate for COVID is somewhere around 3 4%. If you look at age groups, the older the age, that mortality rate skews a little bit more if you're older versus if you're young. But when, but the thing about it is everyone can transmit the disease. Now, there are some illnesses that we've seen early on in, in children, some inflammatory diseases in children that we don't see in adults. But we have had, I would say, just speaking of my facility, deaths in, in, all, in all age groups. And I'm not at a pediatric facility, but I would say probably the youngest patient that we saw that had a death was maybe 19. So I don't think that anyone should think that um, you know, oh, this is not a kid's disease or this is not an adult's disease, because even if a kid, uh, you know, a young person uh, in, uh, gets the disease, you still can transmit it to those around you and those that may be even more susceptible. So I think we have to be vigilant with our children as well as, you know, our, um, our parents. So as we're being vigilant with our children, do you recommend that they participate in team sports during this time? You know, so that, that's a great conversation that I think we should have about how do we get back just normal life, normal living. I honestly think that team sports are okay if the team is being respectful of the science. By that, I mean distancing when possible and when not possible, wearing masks. Now, there's some sports where you can't wear a mask. So, you know, we're not all you know blessed to have the resources to say in the NBA where you can put every athlete in a bubble and everybody's tested and you know everybody's negative so and my kids play sports i've seen some successful you know sports activities where the kids are wearing where some of the kids well i would say kids are wearing masks at least all of the adults are wearing masks at least all of the um, officials are wearing masks and then the kids are wearing masks as well so you know my kids play sports i ask them to wear masks or other parents feel like well it's sports we don't want them to wear masks I feel I personally feel and this is my personal belief, the more masks that are worn, the less the chance that virus can spread. It's a great way to end it. Dr. Christopher Bibb, thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, this was uh, wonderful.